What's up, folks of Gator Country? This is none other than your boy, David Soderquist, along with Andrew Spivey. And Florida, unfortunately, falls to the Alabama Crimson Tide here, 31-29. But one of the largest, the fifth largest crowd ever here in Gainesville. Largest crowd since 2015, a 90,887-crowd 90, capacity there. And Andrew, you were there. I was not there. What was the atmosphere like, man? Insane, man. But, you know, I... I've been to, I mean, I've been to a lot. I've been to a lot of games and, you know, my, my long time of doing this and before that, you know, visiting games and stuff. And, you know, that was the large, I mean, that was the loudest crowd I've ever seen personally. Yeah. Um, it rivals that 2015 game against FSU. Um, it rivals that 2011, um, Alabama game. Um, you know, it, it rivals some of those, but for me, I think that was the loudest it's, it's ever been. When, when Tom Petty came on, that was just bunkers. I put it on my Twitter. Um, it was just – it was insane. I mean, it was it was insane. It was loud. Um, you know, Alabama had multiple penalties because of the crowd. Um, I've been one of those people who've been on the students in the past about, you know, not showing up and staying. They showed up. They stayed. Uh, everyone was into it. I mean, it was just from – from the time we got on campus, David Bowie and myself, our photographer, we were headed to SEC Nation. And, you know, lots that are normally half full away from campus for um, tailgating and stuff was just jam-packed full of campers and RVs. And just, you know, it was insane. It was it was really what the swamp's about. And, you know, I talked to several Alabama people about it. And every everybody that I know from Alabama said that's the loudest stadium I've ever been in. And those are Alabama people who's been in a hundred thousand, you know, seat stadium at Bryant Denny. Right. Um, obviously, it's a little bit different because the noise stays in. Um, but props, I mean, absolute props to everyone involved. The guys fed off of it. It was it was insane. It was great for what the game was, and that's a really good game with really good recruiting, and the atmosphere was electric. Yeah, and, uh, looking at some of the tailgates, too, I usually hang out at that Harmonic Woods tailgate out on Museum Road. That tailgate had more people at there than I've ever seen it. Uh, I wish I was there. I wish I could have went, but uh, unfortunately I couldn't. And you heard a lot of things about these, these five-star and these top 100 recruits saying this is the loudest stadium they've ever been in. The atmosphere was electric. And you could hear it, even just watching it on CBS on my television from where I was staying out with a buddy of mine. He's a UF alum. We He has a surround sound system. And it was freaking loud. Like, it, you could hear the crowd in the surround system. And some of the announcers, even on some of the plays, were having to scream because it was getting so loud in there. And I'm thinking to myself, I said, I can imagine what it sounds like inside of the stadium because they dumbed down the noise on television. So, yeah, man. We could not hear. We could not hear the refs make calls on the field. Could yeah. not. We, we, we were going strictly by hand signal. Um, you know, late in the game when the clock wasn't operating, those guys at the clock had no earthly idea what the refs were saying. They had zero clue. It was that loud. I mean, you you couldn't. I mean, um, I, you know, a couple of the recruits said they had headaches from it because it was loud. It was. It was. I mean, at, yeah. at moments through the stadium, you, you felt the stadium shake. Uh, you, you know, you you felt the the vibration in the stadium, and you know, you you, you talked to you know all kinds of guys. Um, Azaray Thomas, the DB, said it was crazy and electric. Um, Mikhail. Williams, the DB, I mean, the D-line committed to USC, said it was the best he's ever seen. I mean, guys that, you know, I think have been around, um, you know, for several games for other places, all said it was the best. And, 
that's what a swamp is, man. And and that's what that's just what fires me up is, you know, this is what Florida football is about. The swamp being the most hostile environment in the country, you not wanting to come there and play. And it was, and it was that on Saturday. And I am absolutely jacked to see it. You know, the game didn't turn out the way it was. It was 30, 31, 29. We'll, we'll get into that in just a second. But even when it was 21 to three in the first quarter, the fans were still going. And I, yeah. I turned to a couple people and I said, please don't let this crowd leave. Please don't let it leave because it's going to be a good ball game sooner or later as soon as Florida settles in. And they didn't. To their credit, they didn't. They stayed. And, you know, at the end of the game, still a good ball game. Right. And we talked about it last week, how the crowd factor is going to be a huge factor in this game. You do not want the crowd leaving because that's the last thing <laughs> that you want to do. And me watching the game, especially how Florida came out in that first quarter, I mean – they st- Alabama started out with an eight-play, 75-yard drive for a touchdown in less than four minutes. And, you know, I really wasn't worried. I was just like, you know, at the start of the game, you're still trying to figure everything out with whose offense is going to do what, whose defense is going to do what. I expected us to come back and drive it down the field, which we did, but ultimately it wound up in a field goal. And when you kick field goals, you don't need to be kicking field goals against Alabama. You need to get touchdowns instead of field goals because Alabama can score yeah. quick. And, you know, it's – it's frustrating because they did. They had a, a really good drive on that first drive. And, you know, Emory missed a, a couple of receivers and a couple yep. of holes for the running backs just didn't open up as needed. Um, and, you know, Dan thought about it. He, he did. He really thought about going for it there. And then they had to call timeout. And, you know, people were saying, oh, you know, you should kick it and get the points. And I, I'm sitting there thinking, you're not beating Alabama by field goals, um, you know, in the long run. Still goal would have should have tied it, but yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, and and I will say this: that what popped into my head was Emory has been really good on the scripted drives. Yep. And, and when I say scripted drives, most college football and most coaches in general, I know for for me when when I was coaching ball in high school, we had our first fifteen plays scripted. Um, obviously you can, you know, it can change a little bit if it's 30 inches or whatever it may be, but you have them scripted and Ford did that on their first drive and Emory looked good. The second and third drive is when he struggled a little bit. And that's exactly what I worried about. I was like, Oh no, here he goes. He's going to struggle when it's not scripted plays. Um, but he did, he settled in. And, uh, I think the story of that first quarter, David is DB's not being able to make tackles in space. Yeah. 14, 14 total missed tackles in the first quarter. 14. And it was just, you know, one-on-one. You know, Trevez Johnson versus Brian Robinson Jr., um, uh, Kyrie Elam, all those people one-on-one. And, and they just didn't – couldn't make the place. And it was like last year um, where you just – you were frustrated because – it was like, wow, they, they're in position to pl- make the play, but they should have had a stops, uh, um, and they just didn't. And, and it, it, I'm, glad it, I'm glad it settled itself out, but it just, for that moment, it was frustrating, and people were getting on Grantham, and I'm sitting there to myself thinking, it's not, it's Grantham. not Grantham's fault. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there was 14 total missed tackles, and, and we talked about it last week about the dink and dunk plays. Alabama was handling pressures like like nothing. Like I think we only had what two total sacks that whole game. Uh, credit to uh, Florida's offensive line though. Too Florida's offensive line only gave up one total sack that game. And uh, I have nothing but great things to say about Gene Delance. And I'm not trying to change the subject here. Really, nobody can talk smack about Gene Delance anymore. I picked him last week. I picked him two weeks in a row. 
He's greatly improved. This offensive line impressed me 100% against one of the toughest defensive lines that they're going to face in the nation. Granted, they have to face Georgia as well, but the offensive line proved to be a huge factor in this game, especially for this Florida offense. And a quarterback, I guess, that was struggling before you know you got into the game, he didn't really have to make any big impressive throws because Florida was running the ball down Alabama's throats. I mean, 245 yards rushing. Malik Davis, man, I'm, I've got a lot of great things to say about Malik Davis, man. He's really improved since the 2017 and uh, the injury there. And he's, he lost, you know, got some depth on that depth chart. He, he fell on the depth chart. And now, look, at he, he's leading the team in rushing, I believe, right now uh, at running back. So, I mean, hats let off me, to Malik Davis in the, in the offensive line. Yeah, let me, let me stop you there before we go to quarterback play. Okay. For the first time, and, and man, I'm fired up. I, this nothing gets me more fired up than offensive line and trench play that just freaking yeah. dominates Sarah Pong. And I have not seen a Nick Saban team get dominated up front yeah. like they did on Saturday. And this is coming from an offensive line that was really bad last year. This is coming from an offensive line and that me myself trashed and questioned. Main big time question the guts of some of these guys, question the ability of some of these guys, question the will of some of these guys. And on Saturday, they lined up man to man, mano to mano, and said, We're going to run the ball. And Alabama knew they were going to run the ball, and they put up 258 yards rushing. Um, and it was just it, it was coming, and they knew it was coming, and they couldn't stop it. They, they, you know, multiple times they knew Malik was about to run the ball up the middle. They would have guys there in the pulling guard, whether it be Reese or Braun or Ethan White, whoever it may be, was just mauling. Ethan yeah. White had a phenomenal game. Kingsley, phenomenal yeah. game. Uh, like you said, Delance had a really good game. Um, but those two guys, White and Kingsley absolutely dominant. Uh, I got on Ethan White a little bit in the second quarter on the missed block on the screen, but outside of that, um, really good game. And, I mean, yeah. uh, again, I, I just don't think people understand. When you can line up like Florida did on Saturday and just absolutely dominate a Nick Saban coach football team, and, and I say Nick Saban coach football team because he loves line of scrimmage, control the clock kind of game, and Florida whipped him on it. And I think if you're taking something away from this game, fans and, and everyone else, and you want something to be positive about, that's what to be positive about. The, the, the gap of physicality has closed. closed. Yep. And I couldn't say that last year. And, and I'm not saying the gap in recruiting is closed because it's not. Florida still has room to grow and yep. a lot to do there. But for Dan Mullen last year to be all passing and this year second in the nation and rushing and to line up and just smash them. I mean, on the goal line, everybody knew what was coming when they went empty. Everybody in the world knew Emory was taking it right up the middle and he did it over and over and over again. And every single time he got it, the two point conversion play, that was just the, you know, you have to watch that play. There's a missed assignment, a misalignment, but yep. 258 yards, David, yeah, that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen to Alabama, and for a team in Alabama that was averaging over 400 yards of offense, Florida held them to 331 yards, which I don't think any team in the nation has ever been able to do that thus far this year. Obviously, Miami or Mercer was not able to do that, but man, it, there's so many emotions that are going through my head, but at the same time, most of the emotions are positive. There's really not really any negatives. I think of the negatives. If you go to, you know, some of the missed calls by the refs, and I, and I hate to make excuses about refs and missed calls because refs and missed calls, it happens every game. 
But the call is bad. But not, not that, that bad. bad. You, you had that pass interference call on Elam that they scored seven points on that could have been turned back over in your favor. Uh, and there were some key things like the, uh, the the missed tackles we talked about, the bad calls from the refs, the dropped interception from Brenton Cox. That was one of them that we would love to have back. But that that yeah. that sort of stuff just happens. But you got to catch that ball. Um, questionable play call, the dink and dunk plays that killed us in the first quarter. Florida, the the thing about Florida is they played three quarters of the game. But in football, you got to play all four quarters to win. That first quarter, they dug themselves in so far of a hole that they were able to come back, but it just did not have enough time to come back. And, and again, They lost the game on special teams. Yep. And, the, well, they lost the game on special teams. They didn't lose the game on special teams. But the two critical plays for me on special teams cost them. Yeah. The missed PAT. You cannot miss PATs in, nope. in – Big games. And then Jamarcus Weston allowing touching the ball and allowing them to have to go 99 yards. Florida scored, but they took a ton of time off the clock. That could have been there for the end of the game scenario where, you know, should have been tied, but it wasn't. They were down by two. Um, instead of having, you know, 10 seconds to go on the clock, they could have had, you know, three minutes to go on the clock, you know, a, right. a 75-yard com- drive compared to a 99-yard drive, you know, who knows? Um, I mean, who knows? They may not have scored on a 75-yard drive. They may not have. But you, you, that, those two plays, and there's a couple plays that I look at in this game and I say that ho- that cost them. The interception on the third drive of the game Yep. allowed for a short field. Can't have that happen. Cannot have that happen against Alabama. You, first of all, you can't turn the ball over. But you definitely can't turn the ball over in your own territory. Um, that was a killer. Um, the 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 PAT missed the the uh, kickoff, the misalignment on two point conversion, and then the stupid penalties that were called. Kyrie yep. Elamate no more hit a pass interference on that play than a man on the moon. Uh, Travez Johnson ain't no more hit a man in the moon, and that back judge didn't see a thing. And he is as crazy as crazy can be for not calling that. Yeah. Those two plays were huge for Alabama. And, um, and, well, and you know, a, a, another play on that, on, on the, the Kyer um, pass interference, the entire offensive line and the running back for Alabama were moving at the snap. Yeah. Yeah, that was a false start that wasn't even called on top of that. Yeah. And then you had the horse collar in front of the referee, Damian Pierce. Yeah. The referee's looking right at it, doesn't even call it. And I'm, right. I'm sitting at home, and I'm just like, uh, I'm just baffled. And a lot of guys will say, well, the referees are paid, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. I have no clue. But when you obviously have a horse collar tackle right in front of your eyes, and you're blowing your whistle at the end of the play, and you see it all the way down, and you don't call it, it's a little questionable there. But at the same time, uh, the the referees have been quite bad anyway in SEC play. It's not just this game. A lot of people no. will complain about it. They they've been terrible in a lot of SEC games. And you know, uh, as far as that goes, I don't like to make excuses about refs. Uh, it, it is what it is. Calls get missed. Yeah. Referees suck, and and that's the end of it. But uh, I did notice. Them. I just what frustrates me, and I say this, I say this all the time, and I mean, uh, I maybe you know, I I may be stupid when I say this. People may get on me and say it was an excuse. I can understand a call. The, the Kyrie Elam, it is what it is. The guy was there. He was in position. The ref was to make the call. How how he made that call, I don't know, but whatever. Um, the, the call on Trevez Johnson, the dude was 25 yards away. It wasn't even the ref that should have thrown the flag. Yeah. And he's going to throw the flag. And I'm like, what are you doing? 
Like, how are you making that call? You know more a man in the moon seeing that call. Your buddy didn't see that call, but you did. Uh, Another call that went under, under, uh, went missed, and that was crazy to me, was uh, Josh Joby for Bama. He threw a punch. And um, Justin Shorter's head yeah. on a helmet after they were they were talking a little bit and right in front of the ref, boom, he hits him. Yeah, uh, not smart. He should. You know what I would have done if I was Justin Shorter? I would have just uh, you know flopped there and see if the referee would have pulled the flag. But uh, well, he backed up in front of the ref, and you know I'm thinking, okay, the ref's about to get him here, and the ref just talks to him, and I'm like, oh brother, here we go again. <laughs> now to say all that. Bama had a touchdown when they got a field goal and uh, just stepped out of bounds instead of, you know, not paying attention, just stepped out of bounds. They dropped another touchdown, but they ended up scoring on that. So, you know, I at the end of the day, they do kind of even out. If you look at it, uh, Bama did have 11 penalties for 75 yards. Ford only had seven for 67. Um, so That's it good. balances out. Yeah. And I think Emory, you know, and you and I have went back and forth on this and I, We'll, we'll talk about it here. We'll air it out here. You know, you 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 said you know you feel like if Richardson's in the game, it's a different ball game. I agree with that. I, totally I think is. it is a different ball game. But I will say that Emory Jones played well enough to win that football game on Saturday. Yeah, played he did well enough. That interception was terrible. Um, the throw to Copeland was terrible. Um, a couple of his decisions on speed option when he should have pitched it sooner or bad yeah he had his moments but the difference between first half emory and second half emory were light and day i I remember i mean i i've been around emory a good bit during his recruitment stuff he's an energetic fun guy first quarter or first half he did not look like he was having fun second half he looked like he was having fun um again would emory have made a difference i mean anthony made a difference sure he would have anthony's a good player but emory didn't lose the game no, he didn't lose the game. That, that's one thing that I was going to say before after I said that is, is Emory Jones didn't lose the game. Emory Jones played well. I'm proud of him. He's going to start next week, and I'm okay with that. As long as he keeps playing like this, we can run the ball, we can dominate with our offensive line, dominate with our defense. I have no issue with Emory Jones being the starting quarterback as long as he can take care of the turnovers. That's it. That's all he got to take care of. Everything else takes care of itself. Um, you know, you, you, you come out, you kick a field goal, Alabama scores again, and, you know, they eventually will score again on a uh, like a that that one pass interference that got called on Elam that should have been our ball, but they scored on that one. And then you start hearing the crowd booing Emory Jones, twenty one to three. They're starting to boo Emory Jones after that big turnover that uh, that cost them some points there. And for Emory Jones to tune out the crowd of ninety thousand people, come back in there, lead a drive for a touchdown. Uh, I think that was the big Malik Davis run there with the, the, the huge double block there. Malik Davis scores that t- with about 26-yard touchdown and gets Florida and this crowd back in the game. And that's what I was worried about. When we went down 21-3, to I said, can we score a touchdown? If we can right. score a touchdown, the crowd will be back in this game and we'll have the crowd on our side. Because if they go up 28-3, I guarantee you right now, that crowd ain't going to be as in the game as they were at And at that point, it was 21-3. to and Ford was getting the ball right back at the beginning yeah. of the half. After halftime. So you needed that score. And right. you go into halftime with your head held up high, knowing you're going to get the ball after halftime. And that's what Florida would do after halftime. Florida would lead a drive right down the field. Uh, what was it? A It was like a, um, what you call it? A 
10 play 75 yard drive. It was four minutes. Yeah. It was less than four minutes, a less than four minute drive for a touchdown. You make it 21, 16, you completely flip the game around from a 21 to three deficit to a 21 to 16 within what? 10 minutes of football play. So, you know, that really sparked that, that offense and that defense and that crowd. And it got the crowd back into the game and it made for a lot better of an atmosphere and a lot better of a game going forward. But then unfortunately, right after that, Alabama would lead a 13 play 75 yard touchdown drive, which would make it 28 16. But Florida, man, they fought. The next drive, they would lead an 11 play 99 yard drive for four minutes again, 28 23. And right now, you're thinking, wow, Florida's not, Florida's not done. They're fighting. And that's what you wanted right. to see good defensive line play. A uh, huge sack by Gervon Dexter, by the way, that that would uh, make uh, Alabama have to punt off the ball there. And you just saw the extra spark that Florida needed. You saw the crowd getting into the game, and Florida was back in this game. Like I said, the first quarter, you started off really slow. And, and Florida's going to have to perfect that. They can't start off slow against any team. You start off slow yeah. against any team, you let somebody go up almost three touchdowns. It's kind of hard to dig yourself out of a hole like that. It can be done, but it's kinda, it's it's hard. 172 yards for Bama in the first quarter. Um, 152 through the rest of the game. Yeah. You know, you, 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 you did what you needed to do the rest of the game. Um, you know, Florida in the second half, 120 to 10. They yeah. put up 239 yards. Bama put up 149. Um, in the second quarter, Bama had three yards. Wow. Um, yeah. You, you know, you, you look at the, the game and obviously like I said first of all let me say this I don't I don't have moral victories I don't believe in participation trophies I don't believe in moral victories at the end of the day Florida lost the football game right but I am taking a ton of positives away from this game and that's not moral victories that's simply a team who Dan Mullen and the program that Dan Mullen is trying to build up Florida took that next step. Obviously, the next step is to win that game. Hopefully, you get that in Atlanta. But you took that next step. You showed fight. The physicality was there. That was that was definitely there. And you had a chance to win at the end of the game. Yeah, it, and I came into this game, and I even told my wife before the game, I said, if Florida gets to a close game, I don't want to be that guy at the end of the game that's saying, well, we were almost there, but so-and-so, so-and-so. Right. Same thing happened this year. I mean, last year you had six points within the SEC championship. This year, two points. Uh, I don't want to be that guy, and I hate being that guy that says, oh, we were almost there, but we couldn't quite get the job done. This isn't Georgia. So at this point, I'm thinking about this game, and I'm like, well, we may have not gotten the job done now, third week of the season. If we win out the rest of the schedule, whether Alabama makes it to the SEC championship or not, you're going to get a shot at the SEC championship. You're going to get a shot at going back to the playoff. You got to beat everybody. You have to beat everybody on the schedule. You have I, I, this schedule is very winnable until you play Georgia. That's it. Well, that's and here's the thing play. for me. That's what the, that's what it's all about. And guess what? If if Florida beats Bam on on yesterday on Saturday, we're still talking about that because yeah. Georgia's not losing another game. I mean, that's just it. I mean, maybe, maybe they get upset. They're definitely not losing two more games if you lose to them in Jacksonville. So, at the end right. of the day, your goal is to win in Jacksonville. Yeah. Your goal is to get to Atlanta, to get to Atlanta. Then you have to go win that game. So, whether you won on Saturday or not, you have to go win that football game. Um, again, the reason that I think that this is a, a 
a, a building stone is Florida just won that game for the majority of the game. They showed physicality. They showed that that stuff. Um, you know, I, I posted this on our message board. I was talking to a couple people around the program, um, and and they all told me they were like, "You didn't see everything because yeah. Anthony's packages were gone." Yep. And you know, I know a lot of people wanted Anthony to play. Anthony wasn't healthy. No, you know, he did his backflip, and I know people are like, "Oh, well, he's healthy." No, he wasn't. He hardly practiced this week. I he was, was one of them all week. Um, that there's a lot of packages for Anthony Richardson. You just didn't get to see him on Saturday. Um, there's a lot of things that that could have been done. Guess what? You should be able to see that in Georgia, uh, in Jacksonville against Georgia, because he should be healthy by then. You don't play him this week against Tennessee. You shouldn't need to. They're trash. They're yeah, awful. Tennessee sucks. Um, yeah, so you shouldn't need that. You give him some rest. Um, you've seen a lot of things that should make you feel good about this team. Um, Emory Jones is not a bad quarterback. Does he make some silly mistakes? Is he a little late on some decisions? Sure. It is still week three of him playing, and he has shown me enough to show me that he's progressing. Um, in the first quarter, he missed a couple of underneath routes when he was trying to look deep, and he took off running. Later in the game, he just started hitting those. Um, you know, that back shoulder throw to Xavier Henderson was one of the best throws I've seen in a long time. Right. Um, then again, he missed one to, to Jacob Copeland where he should have had it. So, you know, he's making mistakes. But he is improving. And, again, you do have Anthony Richardson that's going to play again and is going to play a lot. Um, your running back group's really good. Uh, your tight end group had, had performed better. Uh, uh, Damian Pierce, five touchdowns out of 18 carries this year. That is crazy. It's something you wouldn't have thought you would see last year or the year before. Um, and Naquan, right? Naquan Wright's a, a ball. Yeah. Like, I don't think people understood when we talked about it so much. Naquan Wright's a good ball player, man. I mean, 8.3, you know, yards per carry on Saturday, he's starting for a lot of teams. Yeah. Yeah, and that's it's a good it's good the fact that we have a huge running back stable that can do all sorts of things, especially and you don't even need Lingard and Bowman at this point with the way that your offensive line is playing and they're pushing people around. I guarantee you what's going to happen at Tennessee when they come in the, into the swamp, they're going to get pushed around. Tennessee sucks. They're hot garbage. So you have a running back stable of five running backs that are more than capable of scoring you touchdowns and probably getting you more average yards per rush. You're, I think Florida's averaging at least 300 yards rushing now. That's insane. Would we have ever thought about that in 2020, 2019? We would have never thought this team could rush for 200 yards, not even 150. Now they're rushing for over 300 yards. And like you said, the good part about Anthony Richardson is the fact that now he gets time to rest. These teams coming up suck. I mean, Tennessee's bad. You know, we all know about Kentucky, Missouri. They're, they don't look too great either. The only team you got to worry about on the rest of the schedule is Georgia, to be honest. Sanford ain't being Get ready. Let him, play ain't LSU. Let him play LSU. Let him play Georgia and get ready. Yeah, get ready. And then, and then maybe you'll have him for the uh, SEC championship game if you win. If you win in Jacksonville right. and you win the rest of these games. So... Personally, man, if they have to sit Anthony Richardson, I don't care. I'm more than I'm more than confident with Emory Jones that we can win games and win the rest of these games until we play Georgia on the schedule. I still think with the way that this team's defense played, how they were getting pressure on the quarterback, Alabama was good at scheming around the pressures and getting the ball out quick. But how they got pressure, plus how the offensive line played, this team this team could smoke Georgia. I they could. Georgia has one of the best defenses in the nation, though. I'm not going to lie. Their defense is pretty stout. But I I just don't see anything very like I don't see anything fantastic from JT Daniels. Uh, they played South Carolina yesterday. Should have beat them way more than what they should have. But 
I think I, I honestly think Florida can win the whole schedule, to be honest. And that's well, not me being a homer. For me. It's not me being a homer either. I think Georgia's defense is good, but I don't know that they're as great as maybe I thought they were because you, you look at what Clemson's doing. Clemson's still not scoring points. Yeah. Clemson can score points. And so, you know, we all thought, oh, it was great because they just shut Clemson down. Well, I mean, maybe it was a, a little bit of both. Maybe it was Clemson's just not good, and maybe Georgia's defense is pretty good. You know, I don't think that either one of them are great. Yeah, yeah. I, I it's um, you got a bunch of freshman quarterbacks playing. I mean, you got right. I mean, Clemson has a freshman quarterback playing. We pretty much have a first year quarterback playing, and a lot of I want to say this too. Everybody's talking about well, Emory Jones has had four years in the system. I've even said it, but practice is different from actual in game play. You know, 100%. Got to give Emory Jones a break. This is his first year starting as a quarterback. He's still trying to get acclimated to the system and how they're going to run it. He did fantastic yesterday against one of the, the number one team in the nation. I can't blame him. He deserves to start against Tennessee. He deserves to start. I still think you're going to see Anthony Richardson sprinkled in here and there because Dan said he's going to run two quarterbacks, probably like a, uh, you know, a Tebow Chris Leak kind of thing. But there is no reason right now that I'm going to tell Emory that he has to sit on the bench and he's quarterback number two. Yeah. No way. Well, three guys for me defensively, David. Jeremiah Moon. Yep. Brenton Cox and Zach Carter. And I know people yeah. are getting on Brenton Cox for his interception. First of all, asking Brenton Cox to cover is crazy to me, but yeah. whatever. He's a lineman. Um, he should have had the interception, but again, he's a lineman. Uh, but he was getting pressure all night long. Moon yep. was filling those holes really good. Carter everywhere. You said Gervin Dexter was playing good ball. Um, those are a lot of guys. Hey, I called Brenton Cox out on, on Friday. I said, is Brenton Cox better than Chris Bogle or what? Well, yeah, I think he put that to bed. Um, you know, I, I will say, you know, we were all, you know, talking about Ventrell Miller and, you know, could, you know, could they hold, you know, the, the running game down without Ventrell? 91 yards. Yeah. You hold an opponent under 100, win, win. Win all day long. Um, so, you know, again, are there some questions? You know, do you still have some questions at that second cornerback spot? Did Abraham play great? Did Jadarius Perkins play great? Did Jason Marshall play great? Huh, they played okay. They didn't play bad. Um, you know, Travis Johnson struggled in the first half, but he picked it up in the second half. Um, safety wise, I thought played pretty good. Um, you know, there's a lot of people bashing, you know, Grantham and everything else. And, does some of his blitzes just drive you nuts? Yes. But you have to know that that's what you're getting with him. But also he played – his defense played well, and a lot of times they were in position to play. I mean, what more can you ask on a screenplay? You have your guy right there to fill it. He's one-on-one, and he just don't need to tackle. I mean, I don't know that I can blame Grantham for that. I mean – you can only, as a as a coach, put a guy into position to make a play. I mean, it's it, you know, it's the same thing. You know, in basketball, I mean, you can only start your best five. I mean, you know, it, it, in baseball, you know, you could you could start your ace in game one, but if your ace sucks, what are you supposed to do? Right, and, and I'm not trying to trail off of this. I I was actually watching the game with a Georgia alum too. He's a big Georgia fan. He 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 looked at he saw what we did yesterday, and he said, "Oh my god." <laughs> Florida might beat us. That's exactly what he told me. He said, Florida might beat us. I'm scared. Right. Like, 
And I'm just like, well, you got one of the best defenses in the nation, but we'll 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 figure that out in Jacksonville. But he was even coming away impressed. He said, what Dan Mullen's done with the talent that he's recruited, and he hasn't recruited on a level like Clemson, Georgia, Alabama. He said, what Dan Mullen's done with the talent that he's had, that he's got now. He, he said, I'm scared. He's like, I don't think Dan needs a highly ranked recruiting class to win a national championship. He said, I, I said, he, I think he's the best coaching and developer in the nation. I, I mean, that's personally me between coaching and development. I mean, with, with coach Savage and all that. And, la, and last year was an anomaly. You had COVID. You couldn't, obviously couldn't work out with coach Savage. Couldn't do anything this year. You finally get them back in the Savage treatment. You get them back in the program and look what they're doing. They're having two point games against Alabama that they could have won. I mean, they outgained Alabama in total yards. I think they had over 400 yards of offense to their 300. Uh, what was it? 331. I mean, you outgained yeah. Alabama. You outplayed Alabama, except for, except for the first quarter. Play all four quarters next time you play Alabama. Clean up that first quarter stuff. Get off to a faster start. You see them again in the SEC championship. You're taking them to the woodshed. You're going to beat them. I think you're going to beat them if you have that same kind of play that you did last year, especially with no turnovers. You only had one turnover, and that was a key that I said to this game is no turnovers. We had one costed us points, could have won us the game. Lots of other factors that did cost us the game. I'm not going to go into it anymore. I'm really proud of this team. I'm really proud of the defense, really proud of the offensive line. And, hey, man, I'm ready to be in the swamp again next Saturday and watch them take it to Tennessee. I hope they put up 60 points on Tennessee. Well, and here's the thing for me, and, you know, it's all about building. And, you know, we we, we talk about all the time. It's a, there's always building blocks of, you know, programs. And, you know, there's a building block in this one. You, you conquered it of being physical. The next building block is – Take the same energy that you just had and carry it over. Championship teams don't have letdowns. You can't have a letdown this week against Tennessee. Tennessee's trash, but guess what? They are SEC. They do have some decent players. If you allow them to, they'll beat you. Yeah, and and a lot of people are talking about, well, FSU had their moral victory against Notre Dame, and then we just find out Notre Dame sucks. (laughs) Alabama is not Notre Dame. Alabama is way better than Notre Dame. Uh, I don't think we're going to have some kind of FSU hangover go into a game and then lose games that we shouldn't lose. I think this is going to drive the team to play better, to be honest. When you're against the number one team in the nation and you almost beat them, and it's only week three, you're pissed off already because you feel like you should have won. So now that's going to drive you to play against these teams, beat the teams you got to beat, beat Georgia, get back to the SEC championship. This isn't a game that I think that any of these players were ashamed of. I think they're ashamed and pissed off that they didn't win the game, but I don't think they're ashamed or pissed off by their efforts and what they did in the game. So I don't think this is going to be a hangover game whatsoever. I think they're going to go into Tennessee at home in the swamp. They're going to beat Tennessee. Uh, they could turn over the ball twice. It'll beat Tennessee. I well, and it. I... I think I should I, again. I need to clarify kind of where where I was going with that a little bit, and that is not just at the game, but in practice. Yeah. Um. You know, th- this team's not perfect. This team's no. not where they need to be. This the team that played Saturday doesn't beat the team that Alabama brings to to, to Atlanta in the SEC championship game. If you're lucky to get there, right. the team that is here doesn't beat Georgia. You have to improve. Um, so bring that same energy and same pissed-off attitude that you came into this game with to practice Monday. Get better on Monday. Get better on Tuesday. Get better on Saturday than you were this past Saturday. Um, keep doing that, and you will find yourself in Atlanta. 
you will find yourself having the ability to play Alabama or whoever it may be in the SEC championship game. You will have the opportunity to do that if you continue to improve. And, you know, you you look at this team, it's a young team for in a lot of different areas. So continue to improve. And that has been the downfall of this team, this program the last few years is allowing one loss to filter into multiple losses, right. allowing one loss to bring the mindset of the program back down. You can't allow this loss, even though it's a loss, you have to take some pride that, hey, we played really well. A couple of mistakes didn't, or a couple of keys did not go our way. A couple of mistakes did not go our way. So we need to improve on that. Right. And uh, I mean, they earned respect. I mean, the AP poll just came out. We're recording on Sunday. They're still at number 11, even though losing a game, a close game to Alabama. So I, I think that's fair. You took the, you almost beat the number one team in the nation. Granted, you shouldn't be able to move up because you lost. But at the same right. time, you, you almost beat the number one team in the nation. And it was a close game. They, you did, they didn't, it's not like they won convincingly. And then you beat them in total yards and everything else. So yeah. Right. You know, AP poll, 11, I think Florida's better than Ohio State. I think Florida's better than Cincinnati. I think they're better than Penn State, Iowa. All these people that are up in the AP poll, and it doesn't really matter because when the college football playoff poll comes comes out, it's it's all going to be different anyway. You get coaches together, and they decide who they think the best teams are, and then that's what the college football playoff poll is. So I'm not really worried too much about the AP poll, but it is good to see that the nation is giving Florida some respect now. And a lot of you people— could, um... You could be Florida State and be zero and three, or Miami, who just right. got you know trashed by Michigan State. So you know you could be like those teams. Yeah, you could you could uh, you know started your year um, against a number nine team that's not a number nine team and thought that your team had hope, and then now you're zero and three, and you're just sitting here twiddling your thumbs, saying, "Oh my God, we're zero and three the first time since 1976." <laughs> right. So, yeah. So yeah. yeah, things could always be worse. It, um, it could always be worse. Yes, it could. You know, and again, this is a this is a team that you know, like I said, they have some growing pains to go through still. Um, yep. But they did improve, and you know, I, I'm I'm happy with it. I, again, I don't take moral victories, um, but I but I'm happy with the progress they made as a team uh, on Saturday. Yeah, and, and Dan Mullen and his presser uh, alluded to, yeah, that was a fun game, fun atmosphere, and uh, you know, you always want to play teams like that again, and hopefully, we'll play them again this year. So his mindset's right. already on playing him again this year. So he wants yeah. to get there. Yeah, I think I think Dan Mullen's a little pissed off he lost that game. So we'll see though. We will see coming up. Uh, I guess the next that I guess chess match is awesome. I, I say it all the t- I say it all the time. That chess match between Dan Mullen and Nick Saban is awesome. I, I love it. It's just it's it's awesome. It's awesome to see. Um, yeah, Dan Mullen and at, he, uh, Mississippi State, uh, 2017 was a touchdown. I think that he lost by. Then obviously yeah. SEC championship last year lost by six. Now he's lost by two. I mean it's interesting, dude. Right. I, like Dan Mullen is one hell of a developer. I, I don't care what anybody says. Like he he he's a good game planner. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I you know I I love um I love that you know chess match that they have. I love the you know just the the back and forth that they go. And uh, you know I mean Alabama had their moments on Saturday where that they were really good on defense. Then Florida had their moments on uh, on Saturday where they were really good on offense. So, you know, I, I, again, a lot of positives, a lot of things to clean up. Overall, good game. Swamp was awesome. Recruits loved it. Now show up against Tennessee and spank Tennessee. That's it, spank Tennessee. USF, Miami, and Florida State all lost too, so they can't say anything. And they lost a way worse team. UCF did too. 
Yeah, UCF lost. Yeah, the uh, the the fighting national champions. They they lost. Yeah, so. poor uh, poor uh, Gabriel though, man. I mean, what a freak injury. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot about that injury he had. Yeah, that looked rough. Uh, what? I mean, a, who won the uh, the the players this week? We picked players last week. I know I yeah, picked my so man Gene Delance. You had Delance and who? I think he gets a W. I had yep. Delance. I had. I think I picked Bogle, but Bogle didn't play that much. Uh, yeah, you had him. Uh, I'm trying to think back here of of the guys. Um, here we go. Let's uh, let's see how uh, how bad I I uh, failed this week. I don't know. Just about every person on defense and offense played pretty well, uh, except for maybe the, the wide receivers didn't get a lot of catches. Uh, more tight ends got catches than anything. Okay, here we go. You had uh, you had Trey Dean. Yeah, I, I think he played decent. Uh, I don't know if he played as great as like some of the other defensive guys did. I mean, I can take a. I I, I don't like moral victory, so I won't take. Yeah, it. I can't give you a moral victory, my friend. All but right. Jay Moon. That's a win, my friend. Yeah, that's a win. I'll give you that. That's, that's a, a win. win. I'll give you Delance because okay. he had a really good game. And, I did, and a lot of people thought he wouldn't. They thought he would struggle against the number one team in the nation. He didn't. So, Gene Delance, um, baby. That's my bot. That's, you had. That's my bot. Um, and you had Bogle. He didn't mm. play that much. So yeah, I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know that I can give you. Uh, not give that you Bogle's that. not good. He just didn't play enough. Let's see here. You also, I believe, had Richardson, right? Richardson, Anthony Richardson. I had Malik. I had Malik. That's a win. Yeah, Malik Davis. Sure, yeah, that is a win. That's um, a for sure a win. And I believe. Uh, oh, you had Kyer. Kyer, he did pretty well against Meche. He had a few. I'm going to give. I'm going to give Kyer a win. He I'm, had a I'm few where Meche caught on him. I think it was only like one or two passes Meche caught on him, and the rest of them he had pretty well defended, and he got called for a bullcrap call, but that was, you know, is what it is. I think he, I think they tested him more than anybody, and outside the, you know, like you said, the dumb PI, really good play. Uh, he had a really good play on that ball. He hurt his knee on deep. Um, yeah. yeah. That's something to watch this week. And yeah, he, he was icing his knee big time after the game. And props out to Delance too. I was now that you mentioned it, he got hurt and he came back in the game and still played. I thought I thought it was his ACL. They immediately went to the ACL test, and when they were touching the for the ACL, he was pounding the ground, hurting. So, um, and my last guy was Zach Carter. Yeah, you get a win for that one. Zach, Carter. I'm going three for three. You did. We'll go for three, eh, three for three. I went two for three, and you went two for three. So I'm taking the lead. Uh, I'm taking you got the lead. lead on me now. I'm gonna have to be careful. I'm taking week. the lead. I'm gonna take the lead here, and not. Uh, I'm not gonna let it go because next week's Tennessee Hate Week, and uh, we don't wear orange, so it's uh, it's gonna be a big week. I'm excited, man. Um, I'm picking some we'll wide have receivers. Tons of next recruiting week. updates. Yeah, that's exactly right. We're going to have tons and tons of tons of recruiting updates over the next uh, couple of days on the on the site. So make sure you're uh, you're checking that out and uh we're going to get get ready for this Tennessee game. It's a it's a big one, man. Huge game, man. Uh we'll see how Florida responds after the loss. Huge game cuz it's the next game. A huge game is the next game. That's right. We'll see how Florida responds to uh the Are Alabama. Are they still loss. a rival? Who? Tennessee? No. Nah. Tennessee. Nah, man. They're they're Tennessee. They're tennis suck. That's what I call. Them. We're probably gonna have not another... a rival anymore. You know why they're uh, first? Uh, you know the first three letters start with ten. It's because that's how why many that? wins we usually have over them. Just about every decade is ten. 
so they never win again. Hey, there you go. That was, uh, I mean, they're bad. They're really bad. Yeah, I mean, they did. They had a moral victory this week. They they played. Uh, I don't even know who they played. They played some really bad team, and they they East Tennessee up. State. You know, Western yeah. Kentucky, something, something, something. Well, so this is what usually happens every year. Tennessee gets their hopes up, thinking they're back, and then we crush their dreams. So that's probably what's going to happen next week. And I'll be in the swamp. It'll be my birthday, September twenty fifth. David turns thirty. It is a night game in the swamp too. So night bring game. that same energy. They did beat Tennessee Tech fifty six to nothing. Um, Kentucky found a way to beat Chattanooga 28-23. Mississippi State went down 31-29 to Memphis. Um, Arkansas you know, just smashed on the Georgia Southern. Um, A&M won 34 to nothing despite not having Haynes King at their as a quarterback. So um, that's it, David. I think we can wrap this one up, my friend. It's uh, It's been a, a good weekend of football um, outside of a win. Um, best case scenario. Yeah, best case scenario. Let's drop 60 on Tennessee next week. But for uh, right. for Andrew Spivey and for your boy, David Soderquist, it's Lynn the Gator Country.com podcast. You can follow me at Soderquist GC on Twitter. You can follow Andrew Spivey at Andrew Spivey GC on Twitter as well. And as for next week, I'll be down there if you guys want to meet me at the Harmonic Woods tailgate. Until then, that'll wrap it up for this episode of the GatorCountry.com podcast.